This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. Quick heads up that there is a four-letter word in this episode. But it is a quote from a member of Congress. In any case, you've been warned. There's a funny kind of competition happening on the House floor these days. A competition to see who can appear more conservative and who can be the most flashy about it. House will be in order. Last week, you could get a feel for what this competition looks like when House Speaker Kevin McCarthy presided over the censure of Democratic Representative Adam Schiff. The House will be in order. You'll remember that Adam Schiff presided over Donald Trump's impeachment. That is the main reason he was targeted. Will Representative Schiff present himself in the well? But as Speaker McCarthy meted out his punishment, he could barely get in a word edgewise. Democrats hooted and cheered. By his adoption of House Resolution 521, the House has resolved that the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California. In short, what happened here? It did not look the way Congress normally looks. One word comes to mind, uh, chaos. (laughs) I mean, McCarthy is starting to really lose control of the floor right now. And I mean, that's rare for a speaker. Rachel Bade reports on Congress over at Politico. She says last week's censure was not even the weirdest part of this ongoing conservative grudge match. Because the censure of Adam Schiff, that was something Kevin McCarthy wanted to do. There are also all these resolutions coming to the floor that he just can't stop. So, for instance, last week, uh, Lauren Boebert uh, forced a vote on the House floor to impeach Joe Biden. This is an issue that most House Republicans will tell you is completely premature. And not to be outdone, we saw Marjorie Taylor Greene, (laughs) the far-right-wing Republican from Georgia, come out and say, well, I actually have five resolutions to impeach not only Biden, but also members of his cabinet. So the most conservative members of the caucus are trying to outdo each other? (laughs) That's right. And it actually came to almost blows on the House floor where uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene confronted Lauren Boebert 
and accused her of copying one of her impeachment resolutions. And it culminated in some name-calling. Marjorie Taylor Greene called Boebert a, quote, little bitch. And, uh, I mean, can you, can you imagine? This is the House floor. Yeah, it's funny. You've already said Kevin McCarthy isn't really in control of his caucus. The caucus is kind of controlling him a bit. And I've heard it I've heard it termed like he has a a power sharing agreement with the far right. And I was thinking about that phrase because I sort of wondered do far right conservatives want to share power? Uh, they would prefer to be running the house themselves. In many ways they kind of are. Democrats seem to be loving this chaos. Like Nancy Pelosi took to the floor last week, and she talked about the Republican caucus as a puppet show. She also said Republicans look miserable right now. Are they miserable? Uh, Yes, they're definitely miserable privately. They won't say it publicly. I mean, you ask Kevin McCarthy, he'll be like, oh, you know, we're a team. We're we have some, we're like a family, you know, we have our disputes, but we we talk about them and we move forward. So they're not going to acknowledge this this publicly, at least the leadership won't. But yeah, I mean, they're in a really tough spot. Today on the show, Kevin McCarthy was supposed to restore regular order in Congress. Instead, the House floor sounds like WrestleMania. Rachel will explain why. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Politico's Rachel Bade says it's not like Kevin McCarthy thought the job of being Speaker of the House would be easy for him. He knew better than that. But it has been interesting for her to watch as McCarthy evolved in order to grab the brass ring. So McCarthy, um, he has had a dream for a long time. I mean, he's ambitious. He has wanted to be speaker for years. When he came to Washington, he was more of a moderate Republican. He had been a staffer for a moderate um, California Republican, was sort of seen as a centrist. There were people on the far right who actually called him a rhino. Hmm. But he was pretty well liked in the conference. I mean, he's good with people. He is the type of member who will ask, like, you know, how are your kids doing? How's your dog? Like, you know, which college are your kids going to? Because of that ability to connect with people, he rose very quickly through the ranks. And when John Boehner um, became speaker, he very quickly ascended to become 
a top person in his leadership team. He was the whip. He was the person who sort of muscled votes. I was extremely disappointed. Uh, I think we need John Boehner as speaker. I thought he did an outstanding job, and he was treated very badly by people in our party. He, uh, and when John Boehner was driven from Washington, Kevin McCarthy saw this as like the golden moment for him. Like this was the chance to, to become speaker. He threw his hat into the ring, but the enemies he had made on the right they came back and haunted him. I mean, the conservatives banded together. They refused to back him and he couldn't get the votes to become speaker. He ended up having to bow out of the race after trying to sort of muscle the votes. The Republican meeting to vote for a new speaker ending abruptly after the front runner, Kevin McCarthy, shocked everyone, suddenly dropping out of the race. It was highly embarrassing for him. The conference had to look for someone else. They ended up turning to Paul Ryan, who would uh, had been you know, a vice presidential running mate for Mitt Romney. Sounds like Kevin McCarthy learned the lessons of that loss. It, it was very much a humbling moment for him. And from that moment on, McCarthy sort of made this promise to himself. He was going to try again someday to become speaker, and he was going to work on the relationships with the right to try to get them to back him. Sadly, the American dream is dead. Donald Trump ended up running for president, as you'll recall, 2015, 2016. And at the time, a lot of Republicans in the House, especially Paul Ryan, who was speaker at the time, they totally disdained Donald Trump. They thought he was a joke. They didn't want him to be the nominee. Uh, they did everything in their power to try to make sure he wasn't. Um, and then even after he won the nomination, Paul Ryan was constantly criticizing him in the House. Normally, I do not comment on what's going on in the presidential election. I will take an exception today. This is not conservatism. What was proposed yesterday is not what this party stands for, and more importantly, it's not what this country stands for. Kevin McCarthy saw an opportunity at that point. He realized that Donald Trump was sort of tapping into something that Frankly, House GOP leaders were not. Um, he was very popular with the base. Republicans, conservatives just totally loved him. And McCarthy saw uh, a chance that he could maybe befriend Donald Trump at a time when all House Republicans were basically scorning him. And so he did. He reached out to Donald Trump. He introduced himself. He advised him. He endorsed him. And then you'll remember when the Access Hollywood tape came out of Trump saying he could grab women by their private parts. Paul Ryan in a private call said that he was going to unendorse him after he had very reluctantly come to support him over the months. And the GOP leadership team was going to retract their support of, of their very tentative support of Donald Trump at the time, which was right before the election, and say that he needed to bow out. It was Kevin McCarthy who convinced them on the call that they couldn't turn on Trump. It is a movement where people have not felt it. They think they didn't see it coming, and it's just as overtaken. People are just fed up with everything that has gone on, so they want to see a fundamental change, and that's what we're seeing in the polls. McCarthy became one of his top allies in Congress. Um, they, they would speak when Trump was president multiple times a day, uh, and because of that, you saw the same conservative groups who were opposing him from speaker, for speaker, calling him a rhino years before, say, we've got to give Kevin a chance. We've got to let him, you know, show, is he going to listen to conservatives? He says he's going to. Let's give him a shot. That buddy-buddy relationship with Trump, it finally got McCarthy his dream job. In January, he got elected House Speaker. 
It took 15 rounds of ballots and a lot of concessions, including promises to some of the most extreme House members that they'd have plum assignments on top committees. Rachel says McCarthy still thinks it was all worth it. People make a joke that, you know, if Kevin McCarthy wasn't in Congress, like, he would have no life, he would be depressed. Like, he loves the as- the social aspect of Congress. He loves being leader. He loves talking to people. He loves trying to make things happen. And because of that, he's going to try to hold on to this job as long as he can. And to do that, he has very much resigned himself to the fact that he's going to occasionally be embarrassed. Uh, the 15 votes on the floor to try to get the, the gavel, a lot of even his allies thought he wouldn't endure the, those very embarrassing headlines about how he was trying and trying and failing and failing. And yet he sort of recognized that if I want this job, I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm just going to have to suck it up and do it. And he also realized that he was going to have to give a lot of his power to conservatives. And he sort of just made that deal. The big test for McCarthy's leadership was set to be making a deal to raise the debt ceiling. Like when when he got the speaker's gavel, everyone knew like this was the thing. Like, could he do this? And many doubted that he could. But he did. He made a deal with the White House that involved spending concessions. He called it history making. So in a normal world, wouldn't getting something like that make McCarthy more powerful? Well, he's not out of the woods yet. Um, I was talking to a conservative last week who basically put it to me like this. Kevin McCarthy has made two promises that are inconsistent with each other, and he cannot keep both of them. He will have to make a choice. When he became speaker, he promised conservatives that he was going to cut spending, and they were going to cut it by more than $130 billion dollars to fiscal 2022 levels. Um, And he said, okay, vote for me for speaker. We will do this. But the pact that he made with the White House actually levels spending with what it is right now. That's still $130 billion over the promise he made to conservatives. So that's why you saw after this White House deal went through, the debt ceiling deal went through, conservatives were balking saying, wait a second, you promised us spending cuts. This deal is not a spending cut. This is where McCarthy's current troubles come in. The Speaker's debt limit deal with the White House requires Congress to draw up individual spending bills, one at a time, all of them hitting those previously agreed-to fiscal targets. But since most conservative members of McCarthy's caucus think spending should be much lower than those targets, they've been gumming up the works at the Capitol. First, they banded together, refused to let any business come to the floor. And McCarthy ended up having to shut the floor down. He had to recess the house, let temperatures cool down back home. And they basically threatened that, okay, if you don't, if you don't write spending bills at, at a lower level, then we are not going to let anything come to the floor. And we're going to be just totally frozen and you're not going to get anything done. And so he's going to have to cater to these guys. He said, okay, we'll write the bills at the lower spending number And they agreed to open up the floor to allow um, Republican bills to come to the floor. But the conservative wing of the Republican Party was not finished. Lauren Boebert's resolution to impeach Joe Biden, the one that hit the floor last week, it was like a warning shot to the speaker that the Freedom Caucus is feeling emboldened. Rachel Bade says it's an ominous sign for those spending bills, which still have to pass in just a matter of weeks. 
Because even if the House slashed spending the way hard-right Republicans want to, it's not like those bills would make it through the Senate. The government will shut down at the end of September if both chambers, the Democratic Senate, the Republican House, and the White House don't come together to fund the government. And right now, everybody knows that the funding level has to be the one that was signed into law, the one that McCarthy agreed to with the White House. And it really puts everyone on this collision course. I mean, at, at some point, McCarthy is going to have to decide, is he going to go back on a deal he made with the White House that is signed into law? Or is he going to say to conservatives, look, we passed all these spending bills. They didn't go through the, the Senate, but we I made a deal. We're going to have to go with this. And if he does that, do they move to oust him? Because they're going to be furious about this. When we come back, if things are this messy with Kevin McCarthy in charge, what happens if he gets the boot? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Do the conservatives have a plan? Like, if they ousted Kevin McCarthy, what happens next? Because, as I recall, it wasn't like there were a bunch of people raising their hands wanting to be speaker in the first place. I do think that there are Republicans who want the job. But do they have the votes? No. I mean, that's the that's the big question, right? But I think that conservatives would sort of bank on this idea that after they took McCarthy out, Republicans would rally behind someone. That's what they did with Paul Ryan. I do believe that someone like Steve Scalise, excuse me, would absolutely want the job. I mean, he had talked about um, running against McCarthy for a leadership post years ago, and it caused a lot of tension between the two of them. In fact, the two of them still have a very um, unhappy and difficult relationship. McCarthy does not trust him, does not loop him in on barely anything. Um, but but I do think your question, I mean, it is something that protects McCarthy. It is something that, it's an argument that he used to try to get the gavel. There's no one else like, I am the best position. I, I've been doing this for a long time. I was a major minority leader. I know the conference. I've been whip. Like, I am the best person to lead. And I think that that is, it's an argument that very much resonates with most House Republicans. It's maybe his most important argument. It is, but it might not matter. I mean, these conservatives, <laughs> all they need is, is five votes, five people to vote against him. And there are, I can think of off the top of my head, a number of Republicans who would love to just oust him right now. I mean, Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, these are people who loathe McCarthy and are just waiting for the right moment. And so I think like these conservatives, these McCarthy critics are sort of in waiting right now. Like 
if he's giving them concessions, they're going to, they're going to allow this train to keep on chugging. But if he ever, you know, at some point turns against them, this is all going to come to a head. All this tension is driving towards a deadline, right? Like technically Congress has to pass spending bills around the fall. So what are you looking forward to in the coming months? Yeah, I mean, it's it will all, let's see, come to a head on September 30th. That's like the last day the government is funded. You've got to pass new spending bills by October 1st. I mean, I'm already hearing from my sources that because of the differences between the Republican levels and the Democrat levels, we could see sort of a temporary patch to kick that deadline to the end of the year. So McCarthy might have a little more time to sort of drag things out. Okay, if Kevin McCarthy's antagonists got exactly what they wanted, huge spending cuts on top of what was already agreed to by the White House, what would happen next? So the plan at this point with the House Republicans is they're going to write appropriation bills at the lower level. And that means these bills are going to have to specifically identify what they want to cut. This is something Democrats are going to be watching very closely. Are they cutting food stamps for low-income Americans? Are they cutting affordable housing? Are they going to be cutting benefits for veterans? They're going to have to detail specifically where they want these cuts to come. And that's where the pain, I think, is going to be enormous for a lot of Republicans in these swing districts, because they're going to have to, it's no longer just a vote saying, okay, we're going to cut spending by $130 billion. It's a vote detailing exactly what they will cut. And Democrats will take those and they'll run campaign ads. They'll say, you know, so-and-so wants to take away, you know, meals on wheels or, you know, push granny off a cliff. And that's where things are going to get very political. And it, and McCarthy is going to have to choose who does he protect here? Is he going to protect himself and cater to conservatives on these spending bills over the summer? Or is he going to protect his majority makers and tell them no and not bring these toxic votes to the floor? You know, the New York Times has said that what's happening now, the chaos in Congress, it breaks the longstanding code of party discipline, and it threatens the traditional operation of the House. I wonder if you think that's true. If what's happening now really goes beyond Kevin McCarthy's leadership to more of a wholesale restructuring of how Washington works, and if so, what that means. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. that it, That's absolutely right. I mean, I can't think of, in all the years that I've covered Congress, I can't think of a time where I saw lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, leadership on both sides of the aisle, strike an agreement, a big, you know, fiscal agreement, and then one of them retract that after it had already been publicized, signed into law, voted on. And that's, I mean, this opens up a whole new can of worms. Like, what does an agreement even mean? I mean, McCarthy is now writing these spending levels at a lower lower level to appease conservatives. And he had already made a promise on this. So how good is anyone's word anymore in Washington? If your word cannot be trusted, I mean, what do you have, especially when you have to work across the aisle? Rachel Bade, I'm super grateful for your time and your reporting. Thanks for coming on the show. Happy to do it. Thank you. Rachel Bade is Politico's senior Washington correspondent. And that's our show. 
What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.